sanctification. Sanctification. This this is this 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 message I think was was birthed on Tuesday night prayer. Uh, Al and I were just talking. It, it was just birthed, right? Um, Al Al said, "Consecrate, consecrate." But 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 that might be part three. Al, I don't know. Um, but last week we started. We we spoke about holiness. Last week we spoke about holiness, and and I believe I believe God really spoke to us about holiness, and, and we talked about coming before a holy God, right? So we come before a holy God, and as we come before a holy God, what are the things that happen? What are, what, what are we experiencing? And uh, we learned that being in the presence of a holy God, it brings, it brings uh, worship out, right? It brings confession. It brings repentance when we are in the presence of a holy God. Being in the presence of a holy God reminded us of how truly dirty we were because, you know, we might compare ourselves to people and we say, well, you know, uh, as long as I'm uh, better than Shay, I mean, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good. I'm better than Shay. And then we start comparing ourselves to people and we think we're good. But then when we come before God, we see how messed up we are. And that's what coming before a holy God does. Amen. Um, before I continue, Arelis, Arelis, I want to welcome Arelis. Welcome. Welcome to the house. It's good to have you here with us today. Okay. Um, being in the presence of a holy God. Now, I, I, we spoke about that. We spoke about the results of it. We spoke about God and his glory. You know how Isaiah looked at um, what was brought face to face with the holy God. He saw majesty. He saw royalty. He saw, he saw this, but he, again, he saw his own filth, right? He was like, oh, I'm so dirty. Woe is me. But I realized that we didn't really talk about, you know, we talk about be holy. Be holy. Like he... Be holy as he is holy, but I didn't really get into some details of like, okay, how do we get holy, right? So somebody should have said something. Somebody should have said something like, oh, pastor, you kind of left us hanging. Like, I know you told us to be holy, but like, how do we actually do this? So today, we're going to speak about um, hegiasmos, hegiasmos, and that is the Greek word for sanctification, sanctification. Now, sanctification means to make holy. So if we're wondering, how can I become holy? Well, the process of sanctification is the process of becoming holy, right? It's the process of making holy, the process of being set apart for a special use. You know, we talked about being holy is is to be set apart. Well, sanctification is the process of setting yourself apart. We're going to take a look. At 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Let me put this timer here so um, I'm not here for like four hours with you guys. It should be shorter today. (laughs) 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 to 5. I get excited because I love the Old Testament, and so, you know, Whenever I get to read out of the Old Testament, I get excited. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. 
and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Uh, his mother's name was Ab- Abjiva. Ab- Ab- Abijah. <laughs> you know I made a note here to say it right, and I still messed it up. The daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites. Some versions got him saying, You, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. All right, King Hezekiah is a gangster. This guy's this guy's this guy's the real deal. First of all, he comes. He's the youngest king. Uh, he, he, he was 25. He's not the youngest, but he's 25 when he becomes king. And at this moment, he comes in and he's not playing any games. He's not playing any games whatsoever. For, um, we know that he he ceased. The worship. He canceled it. He stopped worship that was happening in high places. Now, when you say high places, like, oh, that sounds nice. No, high places is not nice. High places was where they did pagan worship. They did all some all sorts of things that they shouldn't have been doing, worshiping gods they shouldn't have been worshiping, sacrificing things they, ha- they should have been sacrificing. And so all this is happening, they call it in the high places. And what happens is a lot of kings, even when they um, were trying to tell the people to do the right thing, they let them do the wrong thing. And that was wrong. And so what happens is King Hezekiah comes in and he says, no, I'm not going to just have our people. Where I'm, look, that's wrong, and so that's going to stop. And he, that's it. He, he canceled it. He took it out. In his, first, in his first act of king, what he does is he's like, I'm going I'm to restore this temple. I'm going to restore worship. And so he quickly fixes the doors to the temple. Fixes the doors to the temple. You know, we were, uh, my wife and I were talking about just this passage, and one of the things that um, she brought to my attention was the fact that the fixing of the doors, it symbolizes him having to fix the past. Uh, his father, Ahaz, didn't really do too well. <laughs> didn't do too well in doing right in the eyes of God. And so what happens is he had to undo what his father did, and he had to fix and so fixing the doors is also symbolic of him having to undo the past and then fix and come into a new season where he was choosing to allow God to lead and speak to his people. And so, so he fixes the doors, right, of the temple. Now, one thing about Hezekiah, he's a young, he's a young king, but um, he, he's, a, he's wise, he's, he's smart because even in the first three years of his kingship, he sees that the northern part, right, the Israel, the northern part of the kingdom, they turn from God. They reject God's word. And so the Assyri- God allows the Assyrian army to come and capture them. At this point, we don't have a king, we don't have a king here that says, oh, man, so-and-so messed up. Or, oh, man, if they would have done this better. Or, in fact, he acknowledges instantly they turn from God. And because they turn from God, this is what happens. So we see that he understands, right? He understands. There's no blame shifting happening with Hezekiah. He understood. The first thing he wanted to do is restore 
worship, and he understood that it was important to him be it was important for him to be king, but being led by the Lord. He did not want to just be king without the presence of God. And so the first thing he's doing is he's restoring worship to the temple. <clears throat> he wanted worship and the presence of God to once again fill that place. Once again fill that place. Many of us, we once knew what the presence of worship felt like. We once knew what the presence of worship did in our lives. We once knew how God moved and did the miraculous in the presence of worship. And it has been quite some time since we have been in the presence of that worship, some, some of us. And so the first thing is, it's time to repair the doors. It's time to undo some of the things that have hindered that worship. First thing he does, though, he tells the priests and um, the Levites, he says, sanctify yourselves. And, and he said it with an attitude because, it, you know, the, you know when, when the Bible says, hear me, or you, when there's explanations, when there's things like that, it, there's a little bit of attitude involved. So here you have a king. He's, he's now king. He sees that the, 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 he's got to fix the temple doors, and then he's got to call the Levites over. And I, I, could, I could tell why he has a little bit of attitude. I mean, it was their responsibility. They fell short. They failed at their, at their role. Those temple doors should have been fixed. The worship should have never stopped. And so he's a little, he's a little, you know, he's a little, you know, a little irked. Get over here. Sanctify yourselves because y'all obviously messed it all up. So go ahead. Go fix yourselves up. Sanctify yourselves, he says. Now, one of the things that we battle with, this is today, today. What we battle with is when someone tells you to sanctify yourself, you're like, okay, sure. What does that mean? How do I do that? How do I sanctify myself? You know, and then we see movies with the holy water, and they're like trying to, and we do all sorts of, and, and, and we battle with that. We battle with, well, how do we actually do this? Now, I have some good news. The good news, the good news is this, that uh, we don't have to do this on our own. You don't sanctify yourself on your own. So it's good news. That's good. Now, the even better news, right? The even better news is that you barely have a role to play. The primarily, the work of sanctification is God. He does it all, right? So that's, that's awesome. It's a partnership. Well, I can't say partnership because we kind of like really don't do much. We, we, we do a little bit, but he does it, he does it most of it, right? So it's, a, it's an unfair partnership that we got going on. But the thing is that it's primarily the work of God, primarily the work of of God. First Thessalonians 5:23. It says, "Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." Thank you Jesus. Let's go to Philippians 2:13. 
And it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Thank you, Lord, that you get to do the work because I have messed myself up for many years trying to do it on my own. We talked about that this morning. Like how many of you are just been on doing it, always trying to do it yourself, your own energy, your own strength, and you are wearing yourself out because it is not your job to do the work that God wants to do in you. It is not. Listen, the role of God the Son, Jesus Christ, in sanctification was simple. You see, Jesus, at first, Jesus himself earned our sanctification. For us, he's our wisdom, he's our righteousness, he's our sanctification and redemption. Do we understand that? Jesus is our example to follow. You know, uh, I want to be, I want to sanctify myself. You know, sanctify yourself. Okay, let me look to Jesus. Let me look to Jesus. Let me, let me see what example he, he has given me. The role of God, the Holy Spirit, what he does in sanctification is that he works within us, Right? And he changes us as he sanctifies us. And um, it, what it does is it, 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 it changes us toward a more holy life. Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit. He tells us to be led by the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in us, we are more responsive to the desires and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, so, so let's, let's kind of like retract that a little bit. The process of sanctification, the work of it is primarily God. It's primarily God. And if we allow God to work in us, if we allow him to work in us, if we look to him, then what happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to birth fruit in us. And that fruit will make us desire more what God desires versus what we do. Now, I did say primarily. Remember? Primarily the work of God. But there is some things that you got to do. Okay? Because, you know, a lot of us like to, we got a lot of uh, chiefs and not enough Indians. Remember? We got, we got a lot of bosses, a lot of supervisors, you know? And... Um, <laughs> Not gonna say, I was it. Um, <laughs> and what happens is, what happens is, when we find out someone else is doing the work, we like that. But then when they tell you, oh yeah, but you got to do this, you're like, oh, I thought I just had to put my foot up. I thought I, th- I thought I was good. God primarily does the work, but there are some responsibilities that you need to come through with. Okay. And this is important. <laughs> we have a role to play in sanctification, and our role is, is not as big as his role, but it's important because it, it involves a decision. It involves a decision that you need to make, right? Choices. Now, our role, although it's not as large as God's role, our role is divided into two. And I want to explain that we have... Um, an active role to play in sanctification, and we have a passive role to play in sanctification. 
This is almost like a, a, a teaching class, right? Okay? And so what happens is this. Um, let, let's, talk about, let, let's talk about passive. The passive role is that you understand that you just need God to sanctify you. Like God is the one that does the work. But, but you're allowing him to do the work. This is you being passive in sanctification. God, do the work. I know you're the only one that can change me. I know you're the only one that can heal me. I know you're the only one that can take these things away from me. I know you're the only I know it's you, you, you. Lord, do it in me. Here you go. This is, this is you being passive in your role in sanctification. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, which is your worship to him. Okay? And so what happens is it's you're giving up of yourself. You're sacrificing yourself because, obviously, we want to do other things, right? But you're saying, Lord, here I am. This is me being passive in my role, you know, in sanctification. Here I am. Take me. Fix me. You know, heal me. Mold me. Lead me. I'm yours. I'm yours. When you stop living a life that is all about you, when you stop thinking, me, 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 the way I want it, where I want to go, how I want to do it, you know, when you stop living like that and you begin to point out, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want to send me, however you want me to say it, wherever you want, that, that is your role. That is you being passive in your role and allowing him to sanctify you in that area. Now, we also play an active role, the passive role and an active role. And this active role is where um, sometimes this is where we get hung up on. This is where we struggle, right? The active role is that we strive in, in, in our active role, we strive to do our very best to obey God and then take steps that will help increase our sanctification. This is where we struggle. Because you know what? It's easy to be like, oh, God, do what you want to do in my life, right? And then everybody says that. God ain't through with me yet. And then they do whatever they want anyway. God ain't through with me yet. And then, and then and it's, like, it's like they plan it, right? I'm going to do this. But when I finish, I'll just say God ain't through with me yet to make an excuse. So what, so what happens is this. What happens is in your active role, this is the hardest part because now what you're doing is you are striving to do your very best to obey God, to submit to his word. This is where we get hung up on. I heard a, a pastor yesterday preaching, and he said that many times he would not go to the Word of God because he knew what God was going to tell him, and so therefore he was trying not to read the Bible because then he would know what God would call him, what would, would be calling him. I mean, I'm taking it completely, like, I think I got to give you the full sermon for you to understand, but the point was that it's in God's Word where he speaks. 
It's in God's word where he, where he leads you. It's in God's word where he tells you what he wants. And so many times we struggle with what God wants, right? Because it's not what we want. And so what we do is we pray for his will and his direction, but we don't read his word because we know what it's going to say. And then, you know, and then we got to listen to it. You know, then we got to listen to it, right? All right, all right. An active role, Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13 says this. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You play an active role in choosing not to give in to what your flesh wants. So your active role in sanctification, your active role, the part that you are responsible for right now, how do I get sanctified? How do I sanctify myself? What does this sanctification process look like? Well, one is understanding all God. He's the one that's actually going to do it, right? But the thing is understanding that you need to be the one to say, no flesh, I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to give in to what you want. And I'm going to do my best, strive to submit to God. Isn't it kind of like, oh, is, is, am I the only one that's a little refreshed about sanctification? So it is attainable. So it's something that, it, it, that God can be sanctifying us throughout the rest of our lives. So it's something that, I, that, that is real. It's something that, that can happen to me. King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, tells them to sanctify the house. You know, when I did this at home, I was a lot more, I was jumping up and down and screaming and stuff. I was getting hype. My wife was getting hype. My daughter's trying to get into it too. I think I toned it down. I took it down like five notches, right? He says, sanctify the house. <laughs> He says, go up in there and take the rubbish out and bring it to the courts. Take it out of the house. There are things that we definitely need to remove from our lives so that God can work in the sanctification process in us. There are things that need to be removed. Things that were left from the past. Listen, remember, he is undoing what his father Ahaz has done. And so what happens is, so Ahaz has allowed all sorts of stuff to, to go on. And now you got to go into the house and remove all the things from the past that do not glorify God, that do not point to God, and you need to remove them from the house. Remove them from your lives. Let's go to Joshua. We're still in the Old Testament. We're still in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 7, 11 to 13. It says, Israel has sinned, and they, also, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded, commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. 
Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, if there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed things from among you. All right, so I want to give background to this because this is important, and this is, gets me hyped because Joshua's my man, right? And so look, so Joshua, here's Joshua, and he, in this moment right here, he's, he's led them to victory over Jericho. You know, battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Okay. The walls came tumbling down. There's victory over Jericho. The nation is like, woo! The nation of Israel is excited. They go into Jericho. Now they begin to do things that they were told not to do. They begin to take things that did not glorify God, take things that were accursed, things that were dedicated to pagan gods, things that were, the things that were dirty and, and, and considered unclean, things that were just they weren't supposed to mix with. Not only did they take it, but they said that it brought it into their homes. They begin to bring all those things into their homes. And it angered God. Now, before we can find out that God was angry, they go to battle against Ai. And they lose. And they are defeated. And now you have Joshua and the mate on their face like, what's going on, man? We were on a hot streak. And then God speaks to them and tells them, this is why. This is why you lost. This is why you were defeated. Because you have, think, they have taken things, accursed things, and brought them into their homes. He tells them, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. When we, so here we come to these verses, and here you have a nation that is down, they're defeated, they're frustrated, God is angry, and uh, the instructions are, well, sanctify yourselves today for tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves today for tomorrow. What happens is this, in this, in this situation, sanctification was necessary for, complete, for the completion of a promise. God had promised them Land, the promised land, right? Sanctification was necessary in their lives to see fulfillment of a promise. They're not getting it. They're, I don't, I don't, they're not hearing it. Sanctification was necessary in their lives so that they could receive something that God already wanted to give them, something God already gave them, but yet they did not attain it. And so what happens is God is saying, sanctify yourselves because I want to give you what I've already given you. Does that make sense? There's some of us that we still haven't gotten what God has already released to us because he wants us to sanctify ourselves. I don't know. They're not excited as it was in the house. I was like, I was like, woo! Like, like, listen, 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 listen. Sanctification for them at this moment was to go back and to take the things that they had acquired and remove it and get it out. Again, this is 
an active role in sanctification. You see, do you see the pattern of active role? You see your pattern of what you are supposed to do in sanctification? There are things that you need to make some choices, and there are some things that you need to be intentional in going into your past, going into your lives, going into your homes, and removing it so that God can complete the sanctification process in your life. This is what, it, it's, it's, it's simple. It's simple. I mean, I'm saying it simply. Many of us, we have a lot of ungodly things in our lives. And we know God is telling us to remove it. I mean, we know. The Holy Spirit has been like, kicking that door, kicking that door. Like, yo, this got to go. This got to go. And like, you know, come on. And, and, and it's like over and over. And so what we try to do is we try to get away from it. We try to get away from it. We try to keep ourselves busy. We try to turn the music up higher. We try to go bit. Keep, yo, some of us are so busy. Because the second you stop, the Holy Spirit's voice is so loud, listen to what you need to do. So what you do is you keep yourself occupied, 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 because if you stop, you will feel the conviction just. Come on, listen to me. They're, God promised them, this land is yours. This land is yours. He gave it to them. This land is yours. Go get it. What, a two-week walk? Turn into 40 years? Now they're there, and they want to take things that are not supposed to be taken? Accursed things? God has already given you a lot of the answers to your prayers. Some of us have been praying for certain things, and he's already answered it. He's already answered that prayer. And now what he's waiting for is like, you're going you're gonna to make room? You're going to make room for, for the fulfillment of my, of my, uh, of my promise to you? Are you going to clean the house and prepare it for my presence? Many of us, we have these promises assigned to our lives, but yet, yet we hold on to these accursed things. And I can go down a list of actual things, right, that people don't realize are accursed, right? But then, you know... We'll get into all these debatable things. It's real simple. It's real simple. Is it in the Bible? Does the Bible tell us to do it? Does the Bible tell us to stay away from it? What does it glorify? Does it take glory away from God? I, I didn't want to talk about this. I didn't. I really didn't. It's not in here. It's not in here. But, but and I know, I know it's something, I know it's something that people very, very innocently do, very innocently do, and I'm not here to, to point and make a list of things, but this, this kind of like, it, it bothers me a little bit because what it does, it takes away from the, it takes away from the sovereignty of God, it takes away from like, 
him having full control over the entire world and universe and galaxy. And what happens is many of us, we turn to these horoscopes, right? And, and, and this, I didn't want to talk about this. I really didn't. I, didn't. I didn't want to talk about it. But what happens is we turn to the horoscopes. Listen, guys, horoscopes are accursed things. I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this, guys, because what happens is what you're doing is you're reading, oh, I am like this because I was born here, and the stars were aligned this. And this. You are like that because God made you like that. Do you understand me? That's it. That's it. That's it. And many times, many times we have this deeper spiritual desire to try to figure, well, get closer to God. He fills that spiritual desire. What I'm saying is, so the thing is this, this, this is, and, and I'm not going to go down the list. I told you I'm not going to go down the list. But that, one, but that one, I know that within the body of Christ, a lot of us are involved with that. And we read it very innocently. Let me read the horoscopes this morning, and we read it. And some of us are more dedicated to reading the horoscopes in the morning than reading the scriptures in the morning. And so that's another problem. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, I'm sorry. But listen, it's the truth. It's the truth. Listen, if that's in your life, take it out. It's rubbish. Take it out. Take it out and allow God to continue sanctifying your lives. Please, take it out. That, that is part of the rubbish. It's got to go. It's got to go. All right. Um, and if they, so you have these accursed things that we hold on to. And it's not just things, even though there are a lot of things we can talk about, but it's all, the, all these ideologies, these feelings, these, 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 um, the, the way that we, we, we've, we've adapted certain mindsets of the world. And we've applied them into our lives when they go contrary to the word of God. And there's some accursed things. We cannot adapt the ideologies and the mindset of an ungodly world and expect to serve God. Okay? And then we wonder, well, why hasn't God come through? Why hasn't God answered my prayers? Why hasn't God? And the thing is, he's like, well, just clean the house. Clean the house. You know, we talk about a holy God, right? Where holy and sin cannot mix. And so God wants to show up on the scene, but you need to clean the house up. You need to clean up so that he can show up. Oh, clean up so he can show up. All right. (laughs) All right. Sanctify yourselves for today. For tomorrow, they were going to go up against AI again in battle. Sanctify yourselves. One of the lessons we learned from this scripture is that we need to sanctify ourselves today for tomorrow. The battles of tomorrow. We don't know what they look like. We don't know what to expect. But through sancti- you know, as we continue to allow God to sanctify us, we're preparing ourselves for tomorrow's battles. Sanctification process, it changes us. It changes us. As God continues to sanctify us, it changes our mind. It changes the way we think, right? Colossians 3, uh, verse 10, it says, And have put on the new man of who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So what happens is as we're becoming sanctified, our mind is changed. We, we, we have a growth of knowledge, but it's not just knowledge. It's a knowledge combined with wisdom. Because we all know that some people know a lot, and we look at them like, do you know anything? 
but they know a lot. <laughs> it's more than just knowledge, but it's growth in wisdom and in knowledge. Sanctification process, it changes our emotions. We look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, in the beginning of 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In our process of sanctification, the Spirit will begin to birth. Like I mentioned earlier, it will birth the fruit, this fruit in your lives. And you will see how... You, you will begin to see how you will love less the things of this world and how you will begin to delight in the things of him. It changes, it changes your emotions, this sanctification process. All of a sudden, it's not, about all, it's not about all the things that you used to like or, or how you used to feel, but now it's like, wait a minute, it's what he wants and what he feels, and, and I like being in his presence. And, I, and, and so it does something to your emotions. It changes our will. And this is something that, that we look back and like, well, definitely, it's definitely not our will, right? <laughs> when we allow God to do what he wants to do in your life, when, you, when we are going through a sanctification process, it changes our will, which means it's not what we want. But we understand it's what God wants, right? Like all of us that have gone to Puerto Rico this year, all of us at some point were like, we could move here. We could move here. I mean, it's not so bad. We could travel back and forth or maybe get a house here. I mean, we, we all think of it. But is it the will of God? For some of us, it will. For some of you, maybe it will in the future, whatever the case may be. But understanding that you may say something and say, but God, whatever you want. That's a sign of you, God sanctifying you. Because when you are... I don't care what God wants. It's what I want. There's, there's sanctification that needs to happen in your life. <laughs> it, uh, it changes our spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in fear of God. It cleanses our spirit. Okay. So sanctification, it prepares you. It positions you, right? We talked about a couple stories, you know, so, so sanctification process, you know, uh, we, it, it prepares us and positions us. You know, um, Okay, stick to the notes. Sanctification process, right? It, it positions you. It positions you. Sanctification. We, we talk about the things that need to be removed. We don't like to talk about that. Again, this is not the kind of message that people are like, Woo, go ahead. I know, I know. Even though you guys are pretty good, you guys are doing good. Um, there's stuff that has to be removed in our lives. There's stuff that has to be removed in this house. Because later I'll mention that it wasn't just individual called to sanctification, but a body called to sanctification. 
Sanctification prepares you, it positions you to experience the supernatural, miracles, the impossible. Well, how do you know? Okay, let's go back to Joshua again. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That sounds like one of those battle speeches, like, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow we die. You know, all right, right? We're going to go to battle tomorrow. So anyways, so it says, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so what we're doing is we're rewinding because we're going, you know, we had spoken about them being victorious in Jericho. So you're going before that. So what happens is now you have the nation of Israel at the banks of the Jordan River during rainy season. And the, so the, the water is at its highest, and they happen to be able to get two spies across, right? Two spies that got to hang out with Rahab over there in Jericho. Um, and, and so what happens is it's not just two that need to go across now. The spies came back. They reported everything. The nation's ready to go across. Now they need to get a whole nation across the Jordan River during rainy season at its highest. And those campesinos that we have in the house, those, uh, those guys that love the outdoors, you know that that makes a tremendous difference. I've been in rivers. There's, there's a, my, my uncle has uh, farmland in the Dominican Republic, and uh, I love to go there. It's been a while. Maybe we should go back, you know. But um, you have to cross by horse the river. Um, when it's higher than usual, uh, when it's even higher, they have, to, they have this contraption where they, they, it's like a zip line thing that people get people and things and people across like that to cross the river. And when it's not raining at all, I have crossed it once on foot. It was a little scary, but I'm a Marine, so I can handle it. Um, the, water only came up, the water only came up to my stomach. And I'm going to tell you, that you feel the power of the river. You feel the power of the river. I mean, it was like, and then, and then all right, you know, like, that's, that's how you cross, because you don't want the current to sweep you away. Here you have a nation that needs to cross the river. A nation that needs to cross the river at the river's highest. And the Lord's instruction, the Lord's instruction was to sanctify themselves. Something impossible needs to happen. Something supernatural needs to happen. God tells the nation, sanctify yourself. And then he gives them other instructions too. Sanctify yourselves and then stand a thousand yards back. What's that? Ten football fields. Ten football fields, stand here and put the Ark of the Covenant right here. So, so he calls his people to sanctify themselves then to come before the presence of God, because the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God, right? And so what happens is he says, sanctify yourselves, then come before the presence of God, but stand back and follow God, because they had to follow the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River. To, re to fast forward, what happens is, you know, God stops the flow of the river. You know how rivers have a flow? Well, he stops it further up, and the water dries up, and they cross on dry ground. After the nation sanctified themselves, 
They went before God and followed God. Followed him. Following God takes an active role in your life. Again, this active part pops up. Your role, your decision, your choices. Listen, it's not that hard. It's not unattainable. But you still have to make some choices. You still have to make decisions. Some of us, we're this close to breakthrough in our lives. The Israelites were camped out on the banks of the Jordan River. Jericho was right here. They were this close, this close. Some of us are this close through breakthrough, through the supernatural, through miracles, whatever the case may be in our lives. And God is saying, sanctify yourselves and follow me. Sanctify yourselves and follow me. Not tell him what you want. Not tell him how you want it. I mean, they didn't give God instructions to build the bridge. They didn't tell him to split it the way Moses walked or they, they didn't say anything. They, just, they trusted. I mean, if I was Josh, I'd be like, yo, remember when you did that thing with Moses? Remember that, you know, he do a little something like that with us? They didn't tell him what they want, but follow him. There are no limits to what my God can do. There are no limits. There are no limits to what our God can do. Disease, healed. Broken homes, marriages, restored. Addiction, bondage, deliverance. There is nothing our God cannot do. Church, in closing, I want to, I, I, I do want to give you guys some, some, you know, some additional truth. Sanctification is it's, it's not easy. It, it, it can be hard. It can be hard because the active role, right, is a battle between your flesh and spirit on a daily basis, a daily basis. All the rest, like God's role in sanctification, he got it. He'll never let you down. He's, that, he's that, that awesome employee that's always there, always shows up. I got to give, I got um, to give the Witten family a shout out because um, you guys lost power last night and they still, they didn't have any power this morning and they're here serving. And I, I have to, I, that, I have, I have to say, I have to say that, that that is, that is an amazing example. Because so many would have been like, oh, no electricity, I just won't go. No electricity, I won't go. But it shows, it shows the priority in their lives. Anyways, so thank you. That is always greatly appreciated. Does not go unnoticed. Sanctification is different for everyone. And this is something that we need to understand this. I can't compare myself with my wife. Because the way 
that I grow in the Lord is going to be different than the way she grows in the Lord. And what God is doing in me is going to be different than what God is doing in her. And how he does it in me is different than how he does it in her. And you know what? It could be frustrating because God could be doing something in her and she'd be like, don't you see it? Get yourself together. I'm like, listen, God's working in you in that area right now. Leave me alone. And so we, we sometimes we, 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 we do that with one another. Like, whoa, God, God is, don't you get it? And you're like, um, okay, God wants you to get it right now. <laughs> Leave me alone. God's dealing with me in other areas. Sanctification is different for everyone. No one is the same. And this is what I wanted to mention because sanctification is a community project. God, in these examples, many times, yeah, he told the Levites to sanctify themselves, but he called the nation to sanctify themselves. God is not only calling you to sanctify ourselves, he's calling us to sanctify ourselves. He wants us to clean the house. He wants us to sanctify this place. Can I tell you what are some of the results of sanctification in this place? It leads to holiness. And if this place is holy, then when people walk in with sinful infirmities, they're healed instantly. When people come in with addictions, those addictions are broken. When people come in in bondage, enslaved to all types of, uh, of demonic spirits and things like that, they walk in, they experience deliverance because this is a holy place. And sin and holiness cannot mix. In the presence of holiness, worship is lifted up. And what I heard a second ago when you guys were all singing is like with the volume turned down. When you understand that this is holy, then this is a holy place, that we stand before a holy God. You guys are not going to want to stop worshiping. You guys are going to try to out-worship each other. You, you're, trying to, you're trying to sing so loud and you kind of you hear the person next to you and you know, sing louder so you don't hear them. Some of us are missing out on some things that God wants to do because we just don't worship him. Do you know that miracles happen in worship? Do you know that? Do you know that when you lift your hands, when you lose yourself, when you just cry out to him, when you sing, when you worship, listen, yeah, you got the words to guide you, to lead you, but worship him. Open your mouths. Raise your hands. Drop to your feet. Don't you understand that you have to understand that you are in the presence of a holy God. And when you just lose yourself in worship, when you lose yourself to him, he's like, hey, yo, I think I, I, like, to, I like to feel in, in, my, in my book that it like mesmerizes him. With, like, and, and he's like, let me just hug this person. Let me, let me just hold their hand. Let me just, let me just, uh, you know, let me fix this in their life real quick. I, I want to make their life a little easier. Let me just, let me just, you know what? He, man, Angel has been praying for this for 20 years already. Let me just, 
when we worship him, when we understand, if, if we were to come here every Sunday understanding, like, you know what? This is holy ground. This is holy ground. This is where God speaks. This is where he moves. This is where, I mean, and I'm not saying this is the only holy ground. But you got to come in here with an expectation. Say, you know what? God is there. God is here. I'm here to, I'm here to hear from him. I'm here for him to change my life. You know what? I, I'm here. I want to, Lord, sanctify me. Sanctify me. I can't do it. I can't do it. How can we become holy? We are made holy through the process of sanctification. First, understanding that it is God who does mostly all the work. When it comes to the actual changes in you, within you, God does all the work. Understanding that you have a responsibility in this process to do your part, to do the active role. Can I have the prayer team come up? Yeah. Active role. Active role. It's time to choose to make a decision to separate yourselves. Stand, stand up to your feet real quick, church. It's, it's time to choose. Am I going to separate myself for a special use? And what is that special use? Use to be used by God and however he pleases. That's the hard part. Because <laughs> some of us, we got a plan. We got plans on what our life is going to look like. It is time to make a choice, to, cho to, to, to choose. It's time to make a choice and to separate ourselves from people, from things, from places, from habits that will, will, that will not bring you closer to God. This is hard because this is part of the sanctification process. This is part of the process. The part of the process is, is this person helping my walk with God? No, uh, I'm just going to put a little bit of space between us because I can't be influenced and I need to give God more, of, more to him. Are there things in your life that are not helping the sanctification process in your life? Things that need to be removed. Are there mindsets ideologies that you have held on to that go contrary to the word of God and he's saying listen that is not how I feel that is not how I think that is not what I want and you have to take them take the rubbish out of the temple and dump it out it's time to restore your worship unto the Lord sanctify yourselves It's time to prepare yourself for tomorrow's battles. Sanctify yourselves. 
It's time to position yourself for an encounter with a supernatural God. Because that's what the Israelites did. They, they sanctified themselves and they positioned themselves to encounter a supernatural God that stopped the flow of the river and they crossed on dry ground. And guess what? If he could do that, he could do anything in your life. Sanctify yourselves and position yourselves to encounter a supernatural God.